is rapidly replacing family time. And for teens especially, it is hardwiring the way they connect with their world. Join us today as I interview Dr. Kathy Cook, author of Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thank you, Kathy, for being my guest today. I'm glad to be here. Well, Kathy is not only the author of this book that we're going to talk about today, Screens and Teens, she is also the president of Celebrate Kids, and we'll learn a little bit more about Celebrate Kids a little later. But uh, tell us why you wrote the book. Okay, I wrote Screens and Teens because I began to observe behavior in young people that concerned me, and these were kids from good families where I believed that the parents were doing an excellent job. Many of these kids attended excellent schools, and yet I was seeing them um, exhibiting character qualities that were not of the Lord and were not the way that they were raised, and began to notice that technology was a factor in that. So I wanted parents primarily to understand that although technology is not bad in and of itself, too much of a good thing is sometimes not a good thing, and the use of technology was perhaps influencing the beliefs and behaviors of their children, and I wanted to speak into that. That's great. So in your book, Screens and Teens, you say that today's kids are stressed out, tired, (laughs) tech-addicted, and overwhelmed. Why is this? Oh, it's so sad, isn't it? Um, Well, they're tired partly because, unbeknownst to a lot of parents, they are using technology late into the night. If we are foolish enough to allow them to have their phones in their room at night, um, a device in their room... Some kids have admitted to me that at 2 or 3 in the morning they sneak out to the charging station where their parents have placed mm. their devices and you know, they check their um, social media feeds or their game scores or their um, texting, and unfortunately that's a factor. We know from some research that the blue screen effect from our devices does inhibit sleep patterns. So if kids use devices and then immediately go to bed, that first phase of sleep is not very deep. Um, they're overwhelmed by a number of things, and I bet you even are sometimes, Kay, by the amount of information available to us, right? You bet. You bet. You know, and you and I, being older, have ways of maybe managing all the information, and we have ways of sifting and sorting through it to determine, you know, what is truth and what is for us and what is against us. But a lot of our kids today are just inundated with all this information they don't know what to do with. Um, so there's a number of things. Um, the addiction is, is something that really does concern me. Mm-hmm. Even for adults, it can be hard for us to put our devices down. Yeah. Yeah, it is very, very challenging. Would you say that peer pressure is adding to this? You know, it is. Um, peer pressure has always been a part of um, life. Today, it's hard for kids to escape it because of the 24-7 reality of the social media if our kids are old enough to be on it. And if we let them pay attention to that like factor, that can increase um, a lot of pressure. Even gaming, where boys are made to feel like if they don't game every night to try to increase their score, you know, they get to school and they, there's evidence in some team that they're a part of that they didn't play last night. They can be teased for that. And that's just so silly. There's much more to life than sitting in front of a device. Good heavens. You bet. Yeah. So what else do you see as an important influencer shaping this generation of young people? Oh, my goodness. I bet you agree with me that, you know, parenting, of course, is always going to be a huge factor. 
um, parents will always be, um, hopefully, you know, the, the child's most influential um, boundary and authority and um, way of, of living. And unfortunately, a lot of our parents are absorbed into their own tech. And kids tell me all the time that they'll put their devices away when their moms put theirs away. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, and I understand moms, they, they text to arrange play dates. They text um, to arrange, you know, who's going to pick up after cross-country practice. I totally respect that. I think it's an amazing convenience. And I do tell kids, look, you know, there's a difference between want and need. And a lot of your parents are on their devices because of a need, and a lot of you are on them because of a want. And that's where we can, you know, kind of have a dialogue. But I think, you know, parental being, parents being fully present or not is a huge influence. Um, parents who um, present their kids as, awesome. You know, they can do no wrong. Um, that, of course, is a lie. Jesus is awesome. Um, you know, and Jesus is the one who is perfect, and our kids will make mistakes. And unfortunately, our kids are feeling some pressure of having to perform well enough to please their parents so that they can post it on Facebook. And that's, those are direct statements from our kids that when I interview them. So you might be thinking, oh, my kids aren't like that. But no, many of them are feeling that pressure, and that's that's a parent a parent thing where we need to get right within ourselves. So you believe the use of technology is a primary reason teens' beliefs and behaviors are changing. Uh, give us an example, Kathy. You know, um, let me think. Um, happiness. Okay, I was raised to believe maybe in obedience and joy. I was um, raised to believe there was a standard of right and wrong and that decisions should be made um, along that parameter. Um, today's technology is allowing kids and adults to believe that happiness is their right. And so um, a lot of our young people today are making decisions, you know, will this keep me happy? And so, um, you know, and that's partly because everything is easier. And I love that it's easier, and I bet you do too. Yeah, I'm happy for the undo button and the restart. <laughs> you bet. Oh my gosh, those are amazing tools. As an author, I appreciate you know spell check and copy and paste. Um, but I know life doesn't work like that. Life doesn't come with an undo button, and there are consequences to the decisions we make. And so, the technology lie. Um, sometimes I call it the Hollywood lie that we can be happy all the time. Um, is definitely influencing the way kids um, interact with us, the way that they respond. Um, to things that bore them or things that are too hard. Um, and we've got to be the example of perseverance is a good thing. So that, that happiness lie would be one that we could, we could look at for sure. Good, good. So we'll, we may talk more about some of those things, but why is a person's, a young person's security so rooted in their technology today? It has become um, their go-to, right? It's, um, it's where they get their connections. It's where they get their information. Um, it saddens me that children are going to, you know, if you will, Siri or Google.com rather than a mom and a dad and mm. a teacher and a pastor. Mm. And that's wrong. Mm. Um, we need to present ourselves as the authority and as the wisdom. You know, as I just said at a convention last weekend, um, Siri has information, but she doesn't have wisdom. And that, that really concerns mm. me. Um, kids have placed their security in the quality of the cell signal, the number of friends they have. Um, so it's a quantity versus a quality thing. And, um, and that's, I get that because we've allowed technology into their world sometimes too early. Um, but mm-hmm. it saddens me because security should be placed in people who are trustworthy, not in stuff that may or may not be. You bet. 
You mentioned a great idea in your book to create a tech-free space to encourage relationship between parents and their children. Tell us about this. Thanks for asking about that. I believe that um, dinner table, for instance, where we eat any meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, including the restaurant, I would love it to be tech-free. It saddens me to see in a restaurant everyone at the table looking down and doing something on a device rather than having the conversation. You know, kids are always going to be available to what a parent has to say. Now, they might not ask, Dad, what do you think of this? We can't wait for them to ask. We need to speak into their lives because we're the adults and we're the mature ones who have something to say. Um, So the tech-free zone of the dinner table, huge. Put the devices away. Color the children's menu. Have a conversation. Let the siblings connect. Um, Put a deck of cards in your purse and, you know, play a game of Go Fish if if that's easier than trying to generate a, you know, an in-depth conversation. At home, turn the radio off. Turn the TV off. Put all the phones in another room except the emergency phone, which is maybe mom's cell phone. And um, have the conversation. Silence will be filled with something. And these are captured, auto, auto, um, captured opportunities for us to talk about the high points and the low points of our day and theirs and to plan, you know, the weekend and dream about tomorrow. Um, the car is another zone that I would love to see um, tech-free, not necessarily on long car drives, of course, but imagine if you picked your kids up from school and there were no... Nothing on the radio except for good talk show radio like mm-hmm. this show. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, <laughs> but again, the idea that um, silence will be filled and get the pods out of the ears, let the kids look out the window, um, and have the conversation. Kids tell me they like talking in the car because they can't look into our eyes and they don't see mm-hmm. us hurt when we say something that's hard for us to hear. They like that we're captured and we can't leave when the conversation gets tough. And we should take that to our advantage as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you talk about the core needs that every person has, what they are and how technology attempts to meet those needs. And I love this part of your book. Tell us about them. Security, first of all. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, security should be placed in people who are trustworthy, not in, um, again, our cell signal or uh, the number of friends we have. Um, It's very, very dangerous. Identity is the who am I question. And kids need to know who they are. Identity controls behavior and they should be learning who they are from God's Word and from those of us who know them well. But with technology today, they're listening to, you know, people they're following on Twitter that we may not even know they're following. They're listening mm-hmm. to the lyrics on a CD that are um, disparaging about their generation. They're perhaps listening to a, you know, TV sitcom, and it's just ridiculous what they are beginning to absorb about the view of men and women and, and other races and cultures. It's extremely inappropriate. So be careful of that identity piece. Um, They should be learning who they are from us and not from technology. Um, Belonging, who wants me, is a core need. And once we know who we can trust and who we are, we will know who wants us. And that belonging piece should be met again in quality people who are trustworthy and for us, people who apologize and people who tell the truth and people who um, share like interests and values and beliefs with us Um, And it's a quality, not a quantity issue. A lot of our kids today have very limited belonging because they have very limited identity. Mm. If they only post on Facebook about their academics, then their only uh, belonging tends to be met through academics. And when their academics go south, they lose those relationships, and then that whole part of them fractures, and they're really in a lonely, um, difficult place. Belonging should be met again in, in people who we have something in common with, and that can be found on social media. Certainly that's not a bad thing. 
but it also needs to be found face-to-face, and we need to teach our kids friendship skills and eye contact and facial feedback and all those kinds of old-fashioned things that you and I were raised with. Mm-hmm. Um, purpose, why am I alive? Um, this is very interesting. Um, people who know why they're alive persevere through the valleys and tend to live longer and tend to pursue their strengths and and be, they're the difference makers that we need them to be. Um, purpose can be found in social media. Today, we see the brokenness of the world immediately. When the tragedy took place in Paris, we immediately knew about it through apps that some of us have on our phones and email blasts and, and just the Internet in general. And so our kids today are being raised um, in the midst of uh, despair. And if they're raised without hope at home, oh, my goodness. Mm. There can be great discouragement and depression that sets in, and they believe there's nothing they can do, so they might as well die. But kids raised with hope and kids who are raised to believe that they were created on purpose to be a difference maker, when they see the brokenness, whether that be you know, through natural disasters or hurricanes and earthquakes or things like war and, and school shootings, um, they can then say, hey, I'm going to live long enough and speak truth into that, and I'm going to become you know, this person so that I can do this for the good of, of the world and to glorify God. So purpose can be found through um, YouTube videos and social media feeds and, con- and research that moms and dads do with their kids at good websites to discover how it is that we could be collecting coats for the homeless even today. And then we get to competence. What do I do well? And, uh, man, Kay, this so concerns me because competence is what so many of our parents care about, right? Yes. You know, what do my kids do well? But let me tell you that based on years of research and study of Scripture, if we don't have the first four met in healthy ways, we don't, know, we don't need the fifth. Mm. I don't need to be competent if I don't know why I'm alive. Mm. And if I have no one in relationship to serve and to better, then I don't need to be alive, and I don't know there's nothing I need to do well. So um, the, the need for doing things well will, be, um, will come from purpose. When you raise your kids to know why they are alive, they will discover what they can do well. And again, technology can be a great tool there. We can learn a lot through um, different sites on the Internet, or we can be distracted and succumb to the dark and, and the danger and not do anything well. And that, of course, is the biggest tragedy. You bet. Well, I want to make some announcements, and then we're going to come back and continue talking to Kathy Cook and uh, learn more about her book, screens and teens by the way we're going to be giving away some of her books through a drawing so get your pencil ready so you get that information down today family shield is giving away the booklet practical parenting to our listeners to receive your complimentary copy call our response center at 1-877-250-8416 or just email us witness to family at gmail.com and give us your complete name and address. If you are a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice, or just call them and ask them to help you do this. 1-800-847-4836. I want to thank our listeners that have done that. Some of you have done that, and it's just a real blessing to us. Family Shield's mission is to educate and equip people to know Christ, grow in his word, and strengthen individuals and their families. We are always interested in your comments, suggestions for topics, and need your prayers and financial support. Send comments 
and gifts to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Remember, your gifts are tax deductible as allowed by law. Don't forget, right now we have a matching fund opportunity, so your gift of $25 can become $50. All you need to do is send it in. Um, My guest again is Dr. Kathy Cook. She is the author of Screens and Teens, and we're going to be giving away three of her books through a drawing. So if you're interested in uh, getting your name into that drawing, just call our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family, that's T-O-2-family, at gmail.com. And just give us, again, your complete name and address. We'll put them in, and we're going to pull out three names. And if you win, it will be mailed to you. Uh, Kathy is also the president of Celebrate Kids. Kathy, tell us a little bit about Celebrate Kids. Thanks for asking, Kay. We basically um, present live seminars at churches, schools, and conventions worldwide, mostly in the States, but we're privileged to go overseas as well, and just love um, speaking to parents and teachers, kids and teens, about issues like technology and other things that are passionately placed upon our heart by the Lord. And then we have a product line that um, helps as well, and of course, um, like you, we're on social media and just want to continue to um, help parents raise the children they were given not the children they wish they had. (laughs) That's one of the passions we have. Know your kids and raise them to be who they were designed by their creator to be. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, we're talking about screens and teens connecting with our kids in a wireless world. Kathy, what has the great amount of screen time done to contribute to a teenager's underdeveloped identity? You talked about that uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah, I think that when we allow our children to be, you know, constantly surfing the net and, you know, even if it's good research, um, possibly even for school or or church assignments, if you will, um, they're still isolated. You know, they're still, you know, staring at a screen rather than um, interacting with a human who can speak uh, life into them because the human, you know, the mom, the dad, the grandparent, the the friend, the sibling, we, we know each other and we can, we can ask questions that are relevant to what we see that child doing. We can speak life and encourage them and challenge them to step up to the plate and do something a little bit better, a little bit differently. So I feel like there's a chance for a broader um, identity when we hang out with people who know us. Um, In the Internet, you know, we can, even you and I having passions for families, you know, if that's all we did um, and that's all we cared about and that's all we researched, man, we would become very narrow. Um, We would have a hard time interacting with others because we'd have no other interests. Mm -hmm. Um, We wouldn't um, develop the whole of who we were designed to be. And again, I think the world loses in that reality. So we need to just, it's all about balance. And it's always been about balance. Mm-hmm. When our children were two, three, four, five years old, we didn't let them, you know, swing on the swing 24 hours a day. There's always been balance to parenting. And that's the thing with technology as well. That's right. That's right. Ultimately, your book is about establishing better connection points between parents and their kids, in spite of the challenges that are brought on by the influence of technology. Tell us a little bit more about that. You know, it's interesting, um, Kay, sometimes when I speak, there'll be, you know, an an audience um, will look negative toward an idea. For instance, when I talk about digital free zones, like the car or the table, or I'll talk about even having a whole day where it's digital free. And I believe, for instance, a lot of kids should not be on technology Monday through Friday. There's other things they should be doing. 
and they'll be negative toward it. And then I'll get emails after that, and I'll get private Facebook messages, and they'll be like, oh, my goodness, it's working. Mm-hmm. You know, and our kids have said thank you. One of the coolest things about writing the book and interacting with teenagers and speaking to teens directly is how many of them have said, um, thank you for giving us permission to turn the phone off. Um, I've met many teenagers who have chosen to take Facebook off their phones, which I think is extremely wise. I don't think kids need the Internet on their phone, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's just asking uh, for trouble, and we would need many more minutes to unpack that. But just this idea that that they not succumb to the the concerns of of others and that they get to know themselves um, in a more real uh, and confident way that makes sense. Sure, sure. Now, in your book, we, we don't have a lot of time, but you have lie number one, two, three, four, and five. Uh, uh, number one is, I am the center of my own universe. Uh, how is technology encouraging our kids to believe that? Yeah, you know, it's um, they can post about themselves. They can watch the like factor on the photo albums that they and their parents post. Um it's uh, and we can we can buy one song and have it immediately. Where in the old days we had to you know go buy the whole album even if we didn't want the whole album. Um, if the phone rings, we answer it if we're in the mood because we can see who it is. In the old days, we had to answer it because we didn't know who it was. So today they they can create the world that they want. They think, which of course it's a lie. They really can't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to talk about all of those, but the very last chapter of your bo- your book is the ultimate connectivity to Jesus Christ. Tell us a little bit more about why that's the ultimate connection. Uh, Oh, my goodness, my friend. Um, Well, God created us, and he created us to have fellowship with him and to worship him and to know him and to make him known. So the more time that we spend with him and the more that we engage in our spiritual fulfillment and spiritual development, the greater joy um, and, and purpose and competence we're going to have, right? And then, of course, Jesus dying for us and taking our sin upon himself and um, the sacrifice of his life for us ought to be the depth of our existence, and that ought to be motivating us to do this and not do this And um, because of our love for God and for the sacrifice of his Son. You know, the Holy Spirit, who is our, um, our comforter and our guide and our constant source, um, of, of companionship, if you will, and, and yes, the convictor. And I'm concerned about, you know, kids who are they're so quick-paced and they're, we're so loud in our culture and their pods are in their ears and they're never quiet and they're, they're never at peace and they're never slowing down. Will they know the voice of God and will they know that inner prompting of the Spirit? Um, we, we, as the adults who have lived longer, need to set up those parameters, those boundaries without apology and say, you know, God matters more. And, you know, as much as I appreciate the apps on our phones and, you know, the Bible accessibility, for instance, on our phones, I, what I like to say to people is, you know, reading a scripture at a red light is not quiet time. <laughs> and, and I don't say that lightly. I understand and respect the busyness that many of us are faced with and the, the reality of our world. But, but you know, are you... Uh, are you following Christ or aren't you? You know, and are you are you saying he's the most important or aren't you? And is there evidence in your life um, that that he is what matters most? And that I would I would leave it at that. You know, what's the evidence that your beliefs are your beliefs? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention to our listeners, at the back of your book, you have a discussion guide of the chapters with questions. And I love that because so many times people read the book and then they don't move on, but this could be used as a small group discussion, could not? Could it not? Yes, it could. And I don't know if you noticed, too, that if you purchase the book, it comes with live oh, yes. or it comes with online training that I provide. Wonderful. And so you can watch me introduce each chapter with your teenagers on a couch or in a small group of, of other parents or just by yourself. But I say sometimes to parents, watch with your kids and let me introduce the tough topic mm. and then use the questions in the back to discuss it. I know of teenagers who have read um, the whole book and others mm. who have read sections with their parents because it is a family thing. It really mm. is. It is, and it's so important. Thank you so much for that. Well, what are some other thoughts you have that I didn't ask you about related to the book that you want our listeners to know? Um, let me comment quickly, Kay, on the role of gratitude. You know, as we enter the Thanksgiving and then mm. the season, but it's relevant, you know, 24-7, 365, mm-hmm. many of us are concerned about the entitlement culture, and that has been fed by the technology where we are allowing our kids to buy, you know, the game, the movie, the app, the day it comes out. We're letting them line up for 24 hours and live in a tent because what if the store runs out? Oh, my goodness. Um, This idea that we have to have the newest and the best and the greatest. It's all a lie. We don't have to have it. Um, So the the answer to entitlement, if if you're upset about that, the answer to that is true gratitude and true thankfulness. And for believers, oh, my goodness, we have so much to be grateful for. And, and I talk in the book in several places about ways that you can um, expand your children's understanding of gratefulness. Every time they get a toy, they give a toy away. Mm. Every time you buy them a new sweater, they find a sweater they will no longer wear, either because they've never liked it or it scratches them or it's too small. And you let them choose, and you even let them who, choose who to give it to, the women's shelter, the homeless shelter, the family at church that you know has fallen on hard times, and let them understand what it really means to to have what you need and not what you want. I think that is huge in our mm. culture. I think so, too. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That's very important. So um, what about a final word of encouragement for our parents? What else do you have to share? Oh, my goodness. Um, technology is not bad. No, it is not. You know, it's not. Technology is great. It's here to stay. It, it, what we're talking about is the the effective and efficient use of it, um, that we don't allow it to take the place of face-to-face. Um, so I think that if you have observed um, behavior in your kids that concerns you, if they argue more and complain more and whine more and hate to be bored, those kinds of things are really indicative of a technology issue. And I would encourage you to um, teach them how to behave differently rather than yelling and telling and I think that interviews like this and, and the book can help. So, Kay, I really appreciate the chance to be on the show with you today. No problem. Thank you again for being my guest. Dr. Kathy Cook, the book Screens and Teens. Learn more about Family Shield at www.familyshieldministries.com. And don't forget to sign up for Kathy's book. We're giving away three of them through a drawing. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.